us all stand together for that. Sing this with me. Oh, let go and let God have His wonderful way. Just let go and let in this service tonight. Just let go and let God have his way. Aren't you glad to be here to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? We have a few uh, written requests. We want to continue to remember Sister Debbie Miller in prayer. She came uh, through the surgery. Okay, uh, I think maybe the main artery that was clogged was very small and they tried to uh, enlarge it and it caused bruising on the inside and she's in a lot of pain. So let's just remember her. I think she'll be in the hospital for a couple more days. God bless you, Sister Debbie, if you're streaming tonight. We love you, and we're praying for you. Also, Sister Veronica Mooningham, we'll continue to remember her in our prayers as well. Uh, and uh, Brother Ron, we'll continue to remember him. And Kobe and, and Kaylee are traveling tonight for their anniversary, so we'll remember them as they're away. And uh, that's all the requests that we have, but I'm sure there's many other needs tonight. If you just make that known by an uplifted hand, God sees what we have need of in the service. Amen. Brother Jonathan, come tonight. Hey, you happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Let's just uh, remember the youth Saturday. We'll get a text out to you at uh, Sister Amber's house, 2 o'clock. Fellowship. Pray the rain away. We're about done with this rain. So uh, let's uh, remember my cousin, too. Brother Mark, I forgot to tell you. Uh, Y'all may remember Brother Don and Sister Wanda Coulter. It's their daughter-in-law. She had a bad wreck yesterday, and they had to do uh, surgery on her C1, which uh, cracked in half. And uh, so she's got two rods, and she's come through the surgery. But let's remember her. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, once more we come to you, Lord. Lord, living through these days, Lord, living through this life, we have many needs that we lay before your feet. But, Lord, we do this, Lord, with a faith, Lord, with a belief, Lord, that, Lord, you can move for every situation, Lord. Lord, each one that's been sick, Lord, that's had surgery, Sister Debbie and Sister Paula, Lord, and, 
Lord, the ones that are not here that are sickness in their body going around and Brother Ron and all of the ones on our hearts, Lord, and our hands are raised to you. Lord, we believe, Lord, that you can move on the scene, Lord. We witnessed it too many times, Lord. We saw the evidence of your miracle-working goodness too many times, Lord, that we just know when we lay it in your hands, Lord, you'll move. Lord, we ask you to come down on the scene and move for each and every need. Move for each and every heart tonight, Lord. We ask in this service, Lord, to Lord, move amongst the members, Lord. Move amongst the people, Lord. Move amongst your bride. Touch Brother Mark. Anoint him, Lord. Anoint the musicians, Lord. Uh, Lord, sing us into a place, Lord, that we can worship you and get away with you and get in your will completely, Lord. And touch Brother Joseph as he comes, Lord, and ministers the word that you've given to him, Lord. Laid upon his heart. Looked at in his study, Lord, but Lord, let him present it tonight in a way, Lord, to encourage us and build us, Lord, closer to thee. Lord, come be with us now, Lord. Come receive our worship. In your heavenly, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I have to admit, Brother Dawson, I believe the rain is my fault. We had, uh, I put some sawdust in, Brother Matt did, and it's dry, dry, dry for about three weeks. I said, Lord, please send us some rain. My water bill is going out of sight right now, and we need you. And when the Lord does something, he does it good. He does it abundantly, and I thank you for this rain tonight. <laughs> Amen. But by Saturday, we pray the young people will get to have a good time. Amen. Let's sing this together, if you will. Everlasting arms, and I. 
Just like a 
to sell me, I shall not be moved, because I know that Jesus will never fail me. I shall not be moved. Amen. Let's sing this. Can you? And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, and what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes, oh, precious. Is that flow that that makes me white as snow? There's no other fount I know. Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus, and nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, and not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is that that that.
If you have some questions in the corner of your mind, traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find, reflections from your past seem to face you every day. Jesus is the answer for the world today. And that's the thing that they're pushing so far away is the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's sing this good help. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They and not 
Teach me, Lord, to wait. I want to get in a hurry all the time, just like the world is teaching us to do. Everything has to be yesterday. But teach us, Lord, to wait upon you. I guarantee you we'll have a better result, won't we? You can have your seat tonight. We'll have our ushers to come and receive the evening offering. You just give them to the Lord, and he'll bless you for that. And I don't know if uh, Audrey or Abby might have something. Yeah, Abby does. Okay, good. Your mom said you did. So it's not me, I'm telling you, okay? Amen. Let's sing this kid do. pure and how measureless and strong.
This is how Be 
searched for more, but nothing could satisfy until I met my Lord. If you only knew, Jesus, the way I do, you would understand why I lift my hands, cause the things that I went through, not knowing what say amen to that. He's all we need. Come on, let's stand together, if you will, as we invite our pastor to deliver. Once again, tonight we're looking for the cure of conflict. Amen. Let's sing this together. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh, we have the victory. Yes, in the name of Jesus, oh, in the name of Jesus, all the demons will have to flee. For when we stand in the name of Jesus, tell me who can stand before in that precious name of Jesus. Oh, we have the big. Why don't you make it personal? I have. Well, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I have the victory. Oh, yes. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All the demons, they will have to flee. For when I stand in the name of Jesus, tell me who can stand before in that precious name of Jesus. Oh, I have the the Lord. Good evening. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Well, when you're singing that song, it makes me want to
change the subject and sing a victory song now. <laughs> Praise God. In the book of Proverbs chapter 11, appreciate our musicians. God is good to us. Thank God for the rain. we ever do without church praise the lord I, I cannot imagine walking through this life without having a place to go from the pressure of this life the cares of this life and everything the enemy pulling on every angle praise god we have a hope no wonder people just turn to drugs and suicide and everything else there is no hope praise god we have a better hope tonight proverbs chapter 11 verses 29 he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. I will come back to that scripture and uh, expound some more on that in the book of James 4 and 1. James now speaking, he said, from whence came wars? And fightings among you. That is to be combative, variance, disputive personality. Came they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members. You know, when you stop this evening to think about this passage. And we, if we can ever focus on what. The apostle is saying here, we will never seek to find someone to blame our problems on. Because ultimately what he's saying here that it starts with us. And we all know that God day by day has given us grace to overcome not other people but ourselves. The overcoming starts with us. The greatest battle we ever have is with ourselves. So he said, from whence uh, come wars and fightings among you? Come he not hence, even of your lusts and war in your members. If you got a need tonight, raise your hands, please. We're going to pray with you. Lord Jesus, uh, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come back in the house of the Lord. It's a Wednesday evening Bible study again, and we're grateful to have before us, Lord, your people to have spent some time, Lord, in the last few days meditating on the scriptures and hearing in the spirit what you have to say to the church. I pray that you'll have your way today, Lord, as we have turned the pages. We have read the old scripts. We pray now that you'll quicken them to us, Lord, and give us instructions how to be a better people, Lord, to serve you, to please you, to please others, Lord, to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Help us now as we open the word and we teach on the scriptures in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen and amen. God bless you. Bless all the needs and the hands that were raised as well. God sees every need amongst us here tonight. Well, we're dealing here with the uh, family part 14, dealing with conflict 
and family. This is part two. I actually uh, was looking into the material as I was studying again today and uh, just pulling, keep pulling the scriptures out, each words. It's just so vast, and I thought perhaps maybe I can take two services uh, to deal with this, but it looks like we'll probably go into it a little bit more because there's a lot of material we have to cover. Just to give you the background again, uh, Kedish Barnia, he said, family here about to be broke up. You argue and fuss with one another, and you know you oughtn't to do it. That's just part of life, isn't it? You can't get away from it. You can go to Mars and build a house or, you know, they're saying there's life there now, but it's somebody's going to move next to you that you couldn't get along with in this life. It doesn't matter where you go. David said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, the devil is there. If I go into heaven, wherever, you know, it's going to follow you all your life because you got to realize that this body is an element that came from the, the, the dust of the earth, the cursed element. In it, there is that fallen nature, that part of you that wants to pull towards the negative things, towards the carnal things, the fleshly things. Now, it doesn't make, not make you a Christian. It does not make you a child of God, but it is just the, the body that we dealt, we're dealing with, the, the, this, this pest house that we're in, this triumph being that we're in, is your life worthy of the gospel? He says, don't fuss with others uh, and don't have these family fusses. As I said, love breeds love and temper uh, breeds a temper. Is that right? Now, just to recap a little bit, in, in this passage, James gives us uh, both the causes and the cures, the reasons for conflict and the remedy for conflict. Who is the cause of conflict? Who, why are we having conflicts? And how do we resolve conflicts? James tells us that there are three areas of uh, conflict within our lives. Conflict with others. Conflicts within ourselves. And conflicts with God. And we have conflict with others because we have a conflict going on on the inside of us. The conflicts that we we see on the outside when we are dealing with family or associates around us is only an indication that there is a deeply seated conflict that's happening inside of us. As Paul would put it in Romans, he said the flesh is wrestling with the spirit and the spirit, the flesh. There's a war that's taking place within us. Like the old chief said one day as he was getting ready to go, he said, how are you getting along, chief? He said, I want to tell you, brother, he said, there's two dogs in me. One's black and one's white. The black one wants me to do the wrong and the white one wants me to do the right. He said, they're always fighting and quarreling. I said, which one wins, chief? He said, depends on which one chief feeds the most. So you see now, it's identified with an issue that is happening. We all have issues. Issues that may have started because of someone initiating a problem or something. Maybe you have been innocent and the problem became evident because someone initiated that. From that uh, springs forth aggravation 
uh, causing a lot of uh, combative explosion uh, in your response and even to yourself. But we do understand at the bottom line, when the day is over, we have to understand that these battles are raging within us. Because I want to ask you a question this evening. Uh, we don't always feel 100% of ourselves every day. And why is that? Because we're battling with our personalities within us. Now, these personalities are not things that we, we, we came and we asked for. We were born with certain personalities. And because of encountering maybe certain uh, uh, genealogies uh, in our family, it, it has added to uh, the problems that we now have. A lot of times you may not even realize it that some of the problems you have are inherited through generation, as I've been pointing out. Now, we understand that we have conflict with others because we have a conflict going on on the inside of us. We have a conflict in our personality, uh, personal life, because we have conflict with God. Last week, we dealt with the causes of conflicts. One, the desire to have things. Two, the desire to feel good. And three, the desire to be first and always right. Now tonight, I don't want to go back because we've already covered a good bit of those area on the causes of, uh, of uh, conflicts uh, within family or not only just family, but just with people, with just uh, human beings, with all around us. Tonight is the cure for conflicts. Now I want you to pay particular attention to this scripture that James was are dealing with, and oftentimes, as I said, when he spoke of lust or adultery and, and fornication and these uh, lingo that he used in this passage, he's not speaking so much so as uh, the lust of the flesh, as he's speaking about our desire that we have, and we understand that all desire comes from within us. Desire never comes from our head, it comes from within us. What we, what we desire comes from something that is deeply seated within us. So tonight, the cure for conflicts. I'm going to give you some very simple uh, 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 cures uh, for conflicts that in, in light of the passage and the context of what James is speaking of here. So if you'll have your Bible handy, we'll go right straight into it. The first one is a cure for conflict is, one, God's grace. If we're going to ever end conflict within family or conflict with others, we're going to have to understand that we need God's grace to end, end conflicts, to end conflict within with others and uh, within ourselves and with God, we all need God's grace to end conflicts. Because you understand that the elements of being combative and argumentative and to be at variance uh, this uh, evening to be uh, disputive uh, is within us. You, you don't have to teach someone to be this way. You don't teach a child to lie or to react or to lash out or to hold, hold within them certain things. It's built within our being. Our bodies are made mortals. If you're human, immortal, it is within you. 
So it's really going to take the grace of God to, to bring us to a place to ever end conflicts with ourselves and within ourselves, uh, with God and with others around us. In verse 6 and 10, I've sort of kind of pulled it together to simplify it for you. Uh, James says, God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. So we understand that grace is God's power to change what we like, what we like to change about ourselves. It takes the grace of God to change, the power of grace to change what we want to change about ourselves. God's power of grace is sufficient to go beyond any strengths that we have in ourselves to resolve any conflicts. So it will take the grace of God, Paul says, or or James says here now, God gives grace to the humble. So grace is God's power to change. But the question tonight is, uh, what would you like change about yourself? Whatever it is, uh, you need grace to do it. You'll never be able to make those changes on your own. You can say, you know what, I'm going to do better, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, I'm going to do all these things. And then the next day, the next moment, the next breath, you find yourself back in that same place. So now I'm trying to point you back in a direction where God can enable you and give you the power to make those changes to help cure the conflicts in your relationships. So grace is God's power to change. You understand it was grace to change us. You see, it was grace to change our lives. What changed us? What made us better people? What redeemed us? It was grace. What forgive us, it was grace. What gave us restoration, it was grace. So grace is God's power to change. And what do you want to change? What about your relationship do you want to change? Your marriage, your family, your relationship with those uh, in your family. What is it that you want to change? You need to understand You need to go to God. As James is saying here, God gives grace to the humble. You believe it? He gives us grace when we humble ourselves and we come to Him and we say, God, this conflict is too big for me. I can't handle it. It's too much for me. I've tried every uh, angle to try to conquer this problem and I'm unable to uh, overcome it. Then God says, what you need is my grace. You believe it. And whatever you would like to change, you need grace. You can't change it in your own tonight. You need God's power, and that's called grace. God's power is called grace. Grace is the power to change, and there's only one way to get grace tonight. And James give us the formula. He says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. He says here first in verses 6 and then he couples along in verses 10. God gives grace to the humble and humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You humble yourself and when you humble yourself 
It means that you come before God. The Greek word there is to be down to earth and not to have an inflated opinion of ourselves. It is the opposite of sinful pride. Paul says, or, or James rather, he says, if you want to have cure for your conflicts, then you need grace. And for you to have grace, you've got to humble yourselves. How many like grace? Hallelujah. I appreciate grace. So how, did I, how do I get grace? I humble myself. And I say, Lord, I'm wrong. Lord, it's not the other person. It's not even you, Lord. It's me. Standing in the need of prayer. So he says here now, uh, God is trying to bring us to that place. Actually, the scripture said, God gives us more grace, more grace to the humble. And humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Praise God, I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful that I can come before God and humble my thoughts before him. And humble my abilities and everything that's frustrating me and say, God, this problem is too big for me. I can't handle this problem. I can't see the end to it. I've tried every avenue, but I come humble before you and I ask you to engage the greatest power to, uh, to eliminate this conflict, and that is grace. There are no conflict greater than the grace of God tonight. I don't care what it is you're dealing with, what the problem is in yourself or in your family. Grace has the power to eradicate every conflict. You believe it? Let me give you a biblical definition of what it means to be humble in Romans 12 and 3. Paul says, for I say, through the grace given unto me and to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You see, God doesn't give grace to people who are full of pride and think that I can do it on my own. He resists, the Bible says, the proud. If we think that we can manhandle our problems, then God is ultimately telling us tonight we need grace and we need to humble ourselves. And if we are in that position to where we are trying to handle problems and conflicts on our own, then God is ultimately saying that I resist the proud. You see, God goes into a war with a person that, is, uh, that thinks that they can actually overcome this by themselves. I want you to look at 1 Peter 5 and 5. He goes into the scripture now, and Peter says, For God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Watch how he, he, he ties in grace to the humble. So for me to have grace, I've got to be humble. If I'm ever going to make anything, I've got to stay humble. If I'm going to be in unison and harmony with family and friends and associates, I've got to have more humility in my life. And God is telling me tonight, you've got to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. You believe it? He gives grace. When we come and say, God, I need your help. 
Yes, he does. He gives grace when we come humbly and we throw our hands up and say, God, I need your help. Oh, I love a Christian who is so willing to come to God tonight regardless of what they're battling with within themselves, but willing to throw their hands up to God and say, God, I need your help. It's a sign of surrender to Almighty God. It's telling God, you are charge of everything of my life. I'm only your servant. I'm only your son. You know all things. You are bigger. You are greater. You are taller. You can see higher than I can see. You believe it. Hallelujah. Can I give you a few more? To give it to God. If you want to have some cure for your conflicts, give it to God. Look at James 4 and 7. The Bible says now, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Now, what does it mean to submit? Submission is actually a military word that means to rank under the subject one to another, to obey, to place yourself in proper rank. Oh, God, help us to place ourselves in the right rankings. If we can find where we need to place ourselves tonight, then God is saying that I'm going to give you the cure for your conflicts. And that is to give it to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit, find the ranking of yourself under the leadership of God and say, God, I humble myself and I submit this conflict to you and let you have your way. So to submit then is to yield to the authority and will of another. And in the text, we find ourselves in conflict with others. We are to yield our lives and will to the authority and will of God. When we find ourselves in conflict with others, God is ultimately saying this in this solution and cure. This second cure for conflict is if you'll just yield your life and will and authority to the will of God, then the problems are going to resolve themselves. You believe it? We are to obey God rather than our fleshly desires. You see, our fleshly desires want to rise up and be combative towards problems. And it could be all kinds of problems tonight. And that fleshly desire wants to rise up and to take matter in its hand and to deal with it. But James is saying here, submit yourself therefore to God. In other words, uh, submit your fleshly desire to God and find your proper rankings and God will fight your battles. You believe it? And when we find ourselves in conflict with others, our flesh wants to fight and argue with the person that we are in conflict with. Our flesh wants to prove a point to the other person. Our flesh want to rise up and say, look, I, 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 am, I am Lord of this matter. I'm not giving in. I'm not going to succumb to you. But God is saying, you don't have to worry about the flesh. 
You know, you heard the old song, if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle, then victory, victory shall be mine. Because there's no way you are going to win a battle in the flesh. If you're a child of God, all you're going to have is negativity and bruises and wounds and problems in your life endlessly. But if you let God take over that fleshly desire and say, God, I just want you to come in. Give it to God tonight. I say give it to God. And when you submit yourself to God for seven, you are giving God control of your life and your conflicts. When you submit to him, you're saying, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving my conflict. And I'm placing myself in the right rankings. And I'm saying, you fight, Lord. You fight, Lord. Because, friends, I'll tell you this. If you believe God is a healer, you ought to see him go to fighting for you every day of your life. If he will redeem you and he will heal you, he'll fight your battles every day. You believe us? God is able to fight your battles because you're putting him charge. You need to yield yourself to him. And this is the starting point. Quit trying to run your own life and let God run your life. In verse 1 it says, your desires that battle within you. Look at it now. In verse 1, it says, your desires that battle within you. Don't allow it to control you. Don't allow it to take the upper end over God. You'll never get anywhere with God. Now, I'm talking about the cure for conflicts. Conflicts is, uh, has always been through the ages. And it continues to be and it will be here until we leave this uh, old a mortal flesh that we are in tonight. So James says that conflict uh, that happens with other people happens because uh, you have conflict uh, on the inside. And you don't get along with others because you, you got a civil war in your life. This is the real issue. You got a civil war that's going, going on inside of you. The battle is raging. It's an internal problem. It's not a world war. It's a civil war that's happening inside of us. Listen, I speak from experience, and I'll tell you the greatest problem. Brother Brown told us who it is. It's us. You believe it? Start pointing. Uh, start pointing it in the right place. The, the, the starting point is getting peace inside before you can have peace outside. You can't expect to have peace on the outside when you are raging down on the inside. You can't cry for peace unless you are at peace. Find peace of mind. Find peace in your heart. The real conflict is inside of you. Who's in charge of your life? And this is what James is saying. Submit yourself. Amen. To the Lord. Hallelujah. Submit your, give yourself over to God. You are running the ship. You are driving the ship. And God is saying, I want to be in control of your life. Do you love him tonight? 
I hope the solutions are not too simple, but they're Bible tonight. He says, uh, he says uh, give it to God tonight. That is too simple for too many of us because uh, uh, it, it just doesn't seem that, you know, it's, it's, too, it's too small. It's just too simple. It's just too easy. But do you realize some of the easiest and the simplest things are the hardest thing for us to execute in our lives? The hardest thing for us to do is to humble ourselves and submit to the mighty hand of God. Because we are full of knowledge and we're full of experiences and we're full of scenarios and circumstances and we can recall a scenario and a circumstance where every problem that stands before us. You have to understand that God's not looking at any of that. He's looking at He is in charge of this. And when you submit it to me, then I will make the final verdict on the conflict. And God is saying, what I'm going to do is end this conflict when you submit to me. Because then it's not a fleshly battle anymore with you. I'm going to fight this battle in the Spirit. You believe it tonight? If, 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 you're, if you're in charge and anything, anybody comes along that doesn't go the way you want to, then you get upset. You get irritated. You get upset. You want things just the way you want them to go. And when they don't go that way, it makes you mad, so to speak. But if God's in charge of your life... Uh, it doesn't irritate you so much because look at Colossians 3 and 15. The Bible said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Hallelujah. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Because when you're at peace with God, then everything around you will be at peace. And when we have the peace of Christ in our heart, then we'll be at peace with others. And if we don't have this in our life, God's peace tonight in our hearts, then we need to try, we need to try to understand that we can't even go any further in our relationship with others or with God. As friends, how can, a, how can a person that's raging, how can you ever have a relationship with a raging person? It can happen. It'll never happen. You may, you may turn and look the other way. You might compromise, but you never have that. You never had that healthy relationship. When we have the peace of Christ in our hearts tonight, we have to understand we'll be at peace with others. And if we don't have in our life God's peace in our hearts, then we'll try to manipulate others. Try to control them. Try to move them around to get what we want out of life. And you can never walk through life living under the influence of manipulation and control. Is that correct? You have to come to God and say, Lord, for me to make it, I submit to you. I submit to you because I can't go through life controlling and manipulating God's people or my family. It just snowballs into a bigger problem. You understand what I'm saying tonight? 
We have to get our lives in alignment with God, His Word, and will for our lives. You understand when the tires in your car are out of alignment, they will wear out a lot faster than they should. And when they're out of alignment, you feel your car is just pulling to the left or is pulling to the right. And changing the tires doesn't fix the problem. And many things that changing a tire will resolve the problem, but it doesn't. It just costs you more money. The wear and tear and pulling on the left and the right is uh, just the indication that you have a problem somewhere else. And if you want to save the wear and tear uh, on your tire of life, then you need to stop pulling and pushing and trying and manipulating and controlling and ask God to give you a front-end alignment. And so, Lord, line me up. The problems is not the tire. It's not the people. It's not those around me. I need an alignment in my spirit. Are you staying with me now? Listen, I'm going to preach tonight. Amen. We can't just, just pass it off. There's something else. We got to say, God, line me up, Lord. Line me up. Getting your life aligned with God will fix the problem. Is that right? Taking ourselves and placing it in the proper ranking will bring the alignment in our family. And when the front end is aligned, the back end will come into place. Is that right? Everything else will fall in place. Not only you, but your children, your family, your in-laws, your brothers, your sisters, your family, your church, your husband, your wife will start falling in this place. And I really want to stay here and preach some more, but I'm going to move on. Three, resist the devil. Resist Satan. Look, I'm telling you about the cures now. Look at it now, James 4. And seven, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And if you haven't submitted to God, it will not do you any good to resist Satan. First, you've got to humble yourself. Secondly, you've got, to, you've got to come to God and tell God that you're submitting to him. You'll never be able to resist the devil when you haven't submitted to God. Is that correct? You can say God all you want to from this mouth. You can sing about him, pray about him, meditate upon him. But if you truly haven't submitted to God, it will not do you any good to resist Satan. Because submission to God must come before you resist the devil, the Bible will tell us. And we need to resist the devil by being wise to him. Look at 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 quickly. Bible says, pardon, lest Satan should get an advantage of, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You see, when you don't think about all these things when you're in the midst of a conflict. You don't think about all these arguments and all these things that are just uh, not essential. That rage just rages within you. But here Paul is giving us the solution to resist the devil and he will flee from you. He said, let Satan take advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. 
in order that Satan might not uh, outwit us. We are not uh, unaware of his uh, schemes. We have to understand that uh, when an argument starts or a conflict starts, uh, the key player in this old thing is, uh, everybody say it with me, Satan. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not even yourself. Now, it's Satan that is the key player. And what is he out to do? Steal and rob and destroy God's heritage. If you can only stop to realize the conflicts you have in family, it's the devil that's causing this. You believe it? And Paul says for us to wise up, to recognize his tactics, know how he operates, to be aware, be alert, realize what he's doing. You've got to stop and understand, people, this is the devil that's doing this. You understand that? Oh, I know people say, oh, yeah, I know it's the devil. But I heard her with my own mouth and, and, and I saw it with my own eyes. That's true. That's just the elements uh, on the outside. And that's what Satan is anointing. And he's pointing you to the sea, what you see and what you hear. But you've got to go beyond that and resist that old serpent. You realize that? Realize where the conflict comes from and that he is the source behind it. And don't be ignorant, Paul is saying here, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist is a war term and it means to be prepared. To be prepared. You see conflict coming, be prepared. You know that if you say certain things that it's going to cause conflict, then why do you say, be prepared? And God is saying, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, the problem is not the person, it's the devil. And Paul is, or Paul is telling us right here that we have got to wisen up as children of God if we ever expect to resolve conflicts in family and with the church and with others that we have got to see the devil for what he is. You believe it? Yes, to stand against, withstand an attack, resist is a war term. And it means prepare to stand against, withstand an attack. Be prepared. You know the devil is going to come after you. Be prepared. You know Satan don't want you to have your peace and the joy that you have and the harmony you have. Be prepared when he comes. So the devil wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy uh, every other good relationships. Why? Because he loves conflicts and arguments. There's no one in this room that loves conflicts and arguments as much as Satan. He had the first argument in heaven with Michael. He started the first conflict in heaven with Michael. He loves arguments and conflicts. And he wants to cause confusion, arguments, stress, hurt feelings, disappointments, anger, and chaos. He loves to do it. And James says, you got to give it 
into God's hands and let him have control. You got to give it into God's hand and let him have control. Resist the devil and give it into God's hand and let him have control. But the problem is we want to have the last word. We want to walk out of this battle feeling that we have won. We shut them up. We, we get joy out of knowing that we somehow have had the upper end in an argument and a conflict. Be honest with yourself. There's an element of joy, a prideful element that makes you feel really good to know. You know what? I got them to shut up. They couldn't say anything. There's that joy. That's a false joy. And I'll show you in the same context here tonight that that's a false joy that we have to overcome. If you love them, then you've got to do some defensive action. You've got to resist the devil and realize what he's doing tonight. And if you get up in the morning, you don't run into the devil Head on. That means you're going in the wrong direction. Because you're going to run into him. You didn't get up this morning thinking you were going to have problems. But you know what? You ran into him. And that's a good thing. You ran into him. Because now you know how to war with him. You know what God can do. Not what you can do. It's not what I can do. It's what God can do. And you're no match in yourself for the devil. How does the devil operate? He plays on our minds. Particularly wounded pride. He tells us what we want to hear. Isn't that what the devil does? He tells us what we want to hear. He plays on our pride. He plays on what we want to hear. He whispers in our ears. He gives us little thoughts, suggestions, uh, and ideas. And when you're in the middle of an argument, he starts whispering in your ears uh, things like, you don't have to uh, take this kind of stuff. Is that what he tells you? Retaliate. Who are they and who do they think they are? Get even with them. Don't put up with this kind of stuff. Now show them who's the boss. Pride comes into the flesh and takes control rather than saying, God, I want you to know that I am going to leave everything up into your hands and I'm going to resist the devil right now and he's going to flee from me. Whose flesh do you need to resist the devil from? Your own flesh. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? God is just so wonderful to us, isn't he? Yes, he tells you all the things your pride will love to hear. And you need to say, Satan, I know that that's you. Amen. I know that that's you. Resist them. Hallelujah. Whose flesh is he talking in? Your flesh. And you have to talk back to your flesh and say, flesh, I know that's the devil. I know that's Satan. There is a great promise here. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. It's hard to imagine rebuking your own self, but sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you have to speak to your own mind and say, mind, you're lying to me. Feelings, you're lying to me. 
imagination, you're lying to me. All of these things, you're lying to me. And I have to reach down on the inside of the sixth sense and say, God, I know that you're going to bring me out. You believe it? I know you're going to bring me out. Resist that old flesh and the devil will flee from it. You believe it? You don't have to put up with him. Give it to God and get wise to Satan. Hallelujah. Give it to God and get wise to Satan. Let me move on quickly. Fourthly, I draw closer to God. James 4 and 8. I'm giving you the cures now. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, he double-minded. If there's anything that Satan wants to do, it's to stop you from getting closer to God. And how are you going to cure problems? Draw nigh to God. When you have problems, this is not the time to get away from God. This is the time to get closer to God. You see, Satan plays in our minds. God don't love you. God didn't really mean that. What God said was just an imagination. That was just the preacher. That was just the evangelist coming in. That's the devil that's talking to you tonight. And what God is saying, draw nigh unto God. And he will draw nigh unto you. Everything Satan does is to keep you from drawing closer to God and growing intimate with him. The best way to ever resolve family conflicts or or conflicts, period, is to draw nigh to God. Because when you're closer to God, then God can take control of anything and everything in your life. The closer you get to God, the better you know him tonight. You believe it? And the better you know him, the more like him you will become tonight. And when you're in quietness, when you're in quietness or genuineness, uh, you draw close to God, he will come near you. And he does not ever back away from a real child of God that wants to get close to him. Have you ever had a desire to be closer to God? And has God ever back away from you? No. But who is it that tries to put a wedge between you and God? It's that problem, that problem there that's trying to separate you from God. And this is what James is saying. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. He draws close to you when you move towards him. God moves towards you when you move towards him. You believe it tonight? How many like to move closer to God? When you move closer to God, God moves closer to you. This is why he said, James says, if you want problems to be resolved, then draw nigh to God. Hallelujah. Man, the best friends you can ever have, the best of friends is Jesus Christ. You love that. Look at it there. He says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Do you believe it? When you come in genuineness, and he said, God, I got to draw closer to you, Lord. No one God will ever deny. You will never ask Sister Laura and say, God, I want to be more like you and closer to you, and God will ever deny you. Hi, you never, 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 he will never deny you, but the devil will come and try to tell you opposites. Every time you pray those prayers, say, God, I want to draw nearer to you. Hallelujah. You know what God does? He moves closer to you. Hallelujah. He just keeps moving closer to you.
Let me speed along. Fifthly, be sorrowful for the conflicts. Look at James uh, uh, 4 and 9. He said, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You see, James is not talking about the joy and laughter of uh, salvation here. He's talking about the temporary joy and laughter you get when you win a conflict. And you leave the other person wounded and hurting. James is saying, you don't need to do that. You need to be sorrowful and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. In other words, don't let that temporary joy you got by telling somebody off and making them feeling a hurt and leaving them wounded be the joy of your life. Can we read it again? Can we look at it again? Look at the scripture again. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned uh, to mourning and your joy to heaviness. We all know the feelings we have when we won the fight or got our points across. He gives us that temporary joy. He gives us that last laugh. But David, um, but James is saying, be afflicted and mourn and weep to God. I, I, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I didn't mean to make that person feel that way. I didn't mean to leave that person hurt. And I didn't mean to wound that person. I didn't mean to, to leave them like in that, in, the, in that condition, Lord God. Because what James is saying here is that there are people of such who were wounded and hurt and afflicted and get a joy, a temporary joy joy out of doing those things. We certainly don't want to be that kind of people today. I never want to leave the presence of a saint of God and they feel small and they feel humiliated and they feel unaccepted and they feel rejected and they feel all deteriorated. I want to leave their presence and they feel lifted up to know, you know what, a brother stood beside me and a sister stood beside me. This is the kind of attitude that God wants us to have. Be sorrowful for the conflict. God wants us to be remorseful in our spirits about things that have happened in our life. So easy to say, I got what I wanted. I got it my way. And sometimes we get caught up in our rights that we forget what is right. And we have all the rights that's right in this age we live in. In Revelations here, I got it March. As I'm preaching, I'm just turning to it. This is, the, this is the, the world right, but it's not right for us to get what we want at the expense of, of someone else. Look at verse 2 again. It says, he lust and have not, he kill. James says, we want something and we are going to kill to get it. If we have to kill somebody's character, talk somebody down, make them look horrible just to make ourselves look better. And this is what he's saying. He said, you can't resolve problem that, like that. He said, you've got to be sorrowful for the conflicts and not rejoice in the temporary joy that you just have that makes someone feel humiliated and worthless. And not needed. We all want to be needed. We all want to feel accepted. We all want to know that uh, somebody needs us. And when we get that feeling, it helps us to serve better. Is that correct? Oh, my, 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 my. I'm going to skip some things here right quickly. My time is moving quickly. 
James says here now, you need to be broken from this. Because God love a bro broken and contrite spirit. You need to be broken from this. God is saying to us that we've got to, we've got to quit living off of temporary joy of hurting people. And humiliating people. And making people feel like they're worthless and they're not accepted. And that they're not needed. He's saying we've got to be broken from this mentality of living in this life. And if we can ever get to that place, then we'll start applying the cure for the conflict in our families. You believe it? You need to cry and mourn for this. You need to repent for doing such things. It destroys family. It is destroying relationships. It is not worth it. No conflict of severing family relationship is worth it. And let me tell you, I can talk from experience because I know what I'm talking about. I've been attacked from every angle, but I've had to take the attitude, you know what? I will forgive, and I will still love, and I will still stand, and I will still, I will still stand for the Lord, and I will not defend myself. The worst thing you can do is to defend yourself. Let God fight your battles. Give it to Jesus. As the song said, give it all. Give it all. Give it all to Jesus. Amen. Let him come and fix your life tonight. It's ruining your relationship with others. Stop it and start mourning is what James is saying. He said, if you want to get healing and cure for your family and for your conflicts, for your indifferences, or that little feeling you feel. Somebody said, oh, I don't have a word with anybody. Well, what is that little feeling you have every time you, you, you get in, in the presence of a brother or a sister? What is that feeling that is there? You don't call that conflict? It's certainly not the Holy Ghost. God don't like that. God says you got to get rid of that. The devil take his flight and go and sit on a limb waiting for you to allow the Holy Spirit to come back in to where you can say, God, nothing between my soul and my Savior, nothing between me and my brother, nothing between our lives, nothing between me and my wife, even though we have a fuss, we have a conflict, nothing between a daughter and a son, a son and a daughter, a daughter and a mother. Oh, God, I don't want this conflict, this thing in my life. He says you've got to be mournful over it. Be sorry. Because godly sorrow work at repentance. Amen. When you feel sorry, then you're going to repent. And if you never feel sorry and remorseful or, or mournful, you will never repent. The problem is uh, people are not sorry. People are not repentant. And we'll never ever, how do we expect God to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings when we cannot forgive others of their shortcomings? You believe it now? And I'm sorry, it's just a Bible lesson tonight. I'm just telling you what God told me to tell you tonight. Let there be tears for the wrong action you've done. And don't minimize what, what's happened. Don't minimize what's happened Take it seriously. Be sorry for your self-centeredness. And if someone say that you've hurt them, then you've hurt them. Don't minimize it. 
If a brother or sister, somebody come to you and say, look, you said certain things that really hurt me. Don't minimize it. Don't play it down. Listen, brother, if I did, if I hurt you, that I, I'm sorry. I wouldn't want you to go through life thinking that I've hurt you. Where is it that I've wronged you? I want to be mournful. This is what he says. Listen to the scripture. He says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Is that right? You know what this affliction is? Soul searching. This word in the Greek here, every word from the New Testament on are translated in the Greek from the New Testament back into the Old Testament are translated in the Hebrew. And this word in the New Testament Greek means an affliction of the soul. A soul searching, Lord God, uh, I, I want my soul to be right. I want, I want everything to be right. I want it all to be right in the sight of God. My. Oh, what a Savior we serve tonight. Uh, I'm going to come to a close, but can I just finish this last point? James is saying here, Ruining your relationship with others isn't worth it. Don't minimize the hurts. And it may not be a big deal to you, but I want you to know it might be to somebody that's got a hurt feeling. And if somebody said they've got a hurt feeling, that's not anything any of us ought to take lightly and play on because somebody's hurting. You realize that? It is so easy to take that such matter and make a joke out of it and play on it. And if someone is hurting, then God will hold us accountable for the hurt of someone of his child. Let me close with this. Sixthly, don't be critical and judgmental of others. Look at uh, uh, James uh, 4 and 11. He says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He does speak it evil of his brother and judge it his brother. Speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. I looked it up in one of the uh, Lama translation. Uh, it, it reads like this. Uh, it says, don't criticize and speak evil about each other, dear brothers. If you do, you will be fighting against God's law of loving one another. Declaring is wrong. But your job is not to declare whether his, this law is right or wrong, but to obey it. Only he who made the law can rightly judge among you. He alone decides to save us or destroy us. So what right do we have to judge or criticize others? This is from the Lambs of Bible. Brother Brown actually met this man. Actually, it's the truth. This is powerful stuff tonight. Many times we attempt to build ourselves up by tearing others down. Criticism is uh, frutal, serving a no useful purpose, completely in, uh, in, uh, ineffective. There's no, there's no effect to it in a way. It, it's completely ineffective. There's, there's, no, there, there's no joy out of that with the Lord from criticizing or judging someone. And if we are going to have her serve, I solve the problems with in our family of conflicts. I'm saying here, sickly, sixthly, don't be critical and judgmental of others because this is what James said. Uh, speak not evil one of another. 
Criticism puts a person on the defensive and causes them to justify themselves. You should never have to put a brother in that position to cause him to have to uh, justify his position. That's a horrible thing to do. If a brother wants to share certain things with you or a sister, they'll do it. But to put them under the pressure and vice of criticism to get them to uh, justify their cause, it's a horrible behavior. And God is not pleased with it. Criticism is dangerous because it wounds a person's pride and arouses resentments. It tells us that it is vain because it is judging others. We, we, when we do that, we're regarding ourselves more righteous than they are. Actually, when you judge someone, you're saying that uh, you are actually more righteous than that person. Now, I know there's righteous judgments, and there are, there are, there are diversities of, uh, of boundaries that, that we must keep. And I'm talking about, in general, as a family, we have to see ourselves. Do you believe it? Criticizing is an uh, 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 obsessive attitude of uh, criticism and fault finding that seeks to tear down others and maliciously destroys one character. And you understand that the first cure for family conflicts that I give you is you need more grace. And to take it uh, a step further to end conflicts, you not only need more grace, but more love. As our musicians come, let me give you a quote. Brother Bram said, think of it. Love and grace is sisters. Twin sisters. You can't have grace without having love. They're twin sisters. Exactly right. Before you can have grace, you have to have love. Before you can actually show uh, somebody a favor, you love them right or wrong. You have to love them anyhow, or you can't see. So love and grace is the same thing. They're just twin sisters. That's all, love and grace. We can't see one without the other. And if we ever need more grace, then we're going to have to have more love. And the next time I speak on this matter, I will give you three uh, three things we need to remember that will help us not to be critical are judgmental to others, and I will also finish up the cure for conflicts. Do you love them? You appreciate the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. I've got probably about 20 more different things right in those little scripture, but I just want to give you enough tonight for it to soak into you and realize that we all need this. There's not a one of us that don't need this. There's not one of us here can say, well, I don't have conflict. Yes, you do. If you're not with God, if it's not with somebody else, it's with yourself. And we need God's grace to come because grace gives us the power to change things in our lives. Let's all stand to our feet. Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. Brother Larry, that's a, that's a beautiful quote, isn't it? Love and grace is sisters. And, and today while I was actually studying, I knew Brother Bram talked a lot about love, you know. He, was, you know, talked about the bull. He talked about the bees. He talked about all these things. A love will conquer even the wild beast and all of this. And I thought, 
James given it there in James 4 that we need more grace because grace has power to change. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit ignited my soul and said, yeah, but we need more love. Because if we don't have love, we'll never have grace for the body of Christ. You appreciate them tonight. Praise the Lord. Let's sing a little song before we go tonight. And just, we just love you tonight. And I know this is not shouting material, and, but if you feel like shouting, you can. That's fine with me. Amen. I'm not stopping anybody. Amen. But this is material to help you every day to serve the Lord day by day. And I trust it is. Are, are you feeling blessed and helped by the messages tonight? There, there, there are things to enrich us, empower us. There's times we shout, we dance, and we all like that. Everybody likes the climax. Everybody enjoying the relationship, the climax. But there's times you've got to build it up. This is what my job is. Then I'll bring the evangelists. I build it all the way to the top of the fence, and they just come and drop it over. And everybody shout and have a good time. Amen. But this is my job as a pastor, is to just build the infrastructure of the church, get you stronger and rooted as Christians to know how to serve God. Don't you appreciate that? Listen, friends, I would have done anything in my life to have this kind of a Bible teaching and, and instructions when we were coming up way back in the early days. All we had was just a quote, and nobody expound. We read quotes. We left there. We heard all kinds of quotes, and I love those quotes. We didn't have people to take the Bible and to preach the Bible to us. Actually, the Bible was secondary. When people came out to preach, they had that much quote books. Some of them didn't even bring a Bible out to the pulpit. It's not the truth. Come on. I praise God, we have a Bible tonight that we can learn and teach our family. Amen. And take this Bible and the same quotes, the prophet got it right from here. Hallelujah. So we can better serve you, the people of God. To where you, when you leave here, these are messages to enlighten you and quicken you. And when your eyes are quickened, then you have overcoming powers. Oh, that's it, Lord. Praise God. That's it. That's it. I see it. Quicken thou me. Give me Zoe life, Lord. Sing a song, brother. The more that I surrender, the lighter my load. The more that I release my cares, the more He takes control. meeting, you know, Sister Jessica is our uncle's brother, Danny Williams.
which the Williams are the brothers that actually sponsor brother Carl Williams has sponsored brother Branham and uh, since Jessica was sharing a testimony with sister Deanna I believe it was a, was it our grandfather that great grandfather was taking a medication that had terrible side effects terrible side effects and he didn't want to he didn't want to take this medication sister and uh, he went to Brother Branham and, and asked Brother Branham to pray for him. Sister Tracy, Brother Branham never laid hands on him. He told him, he said, you keep taking that medication. And every time you take that medication, you rebuke the devil for every disease or every side effect that will be in this medication. And you'll never have a side effect. He took that medication for years and years and years. Compared to other people, it killed him with the side effects. And he lived on. But he never prayed for him. He just said, when you take that medication, he said, you curse all those side effects that can harm your body. And Jesus Christ is going to bring you through. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to believe that God, when, when he even take that medication, that every bad side effects in it will turn to vitamins and energize our body for healing. Do you believe that? Let's just pray together. Lift your hands in this direction. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I lay my hands upon Haven, Lord. You have given her one miracle after the other, Lord. Every time the devil comes up with something, you cancel out every one of his efforts. Every time the doctors will diagnose something, you had a solution, Lord. Now they're, they're recommended a different kind of medication. We don't know probably what all is in that medication, but we believe that you are over all medicine, Lord. So we ask that your power and your presence and your anointing on the prayer tonight will go into the, that medication, and every time Haman will take it, may it do our body good and not arm, and may it destroy all the chemistry that can destroy our body and may it give to our body the nutrients it needs for healing. We'll lay hands upon her right now and we claim the victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I believe it. You believe in amen? God bless you. You believe that? Amen. I believe it in all my heart. We're standing with you. We're believing what your mama used to do it. Mama do it. She'll take that blood pressure medicine. I've cursed every devil there is in this pill in Jesus' name. Not only that, she took it literally. She said, Lord God, when she wants a big steak and a big potato and something all healthy, she said, God, I curse every calories in this food. (laughs) Mama wasn't easy, man. She wasn't easy to reckon with. (laughs) I tried it, but it don't work. And she had power to pray calories away. I want that kind of prayer, don't you? Amen. I want to be a friend with somebody like that. God bless you. We love you so much. Service will be here Sunday morning. Uh, Children's Church will be at 9. And then we have Sunday school at 10. 10.30, we have a message going here. I'll be preaching here, the Lord willing, this Sunday. We'll just see what the Lord has in store. Don't you appreciate Jesus tonight? I really feel good in the house of the Lord tonight. Aren't you glad you came to church? Satan tried everything possibly today. I tell you, if there's anything that'll go wrong, he started everything. I says to Deanna, she's a witness. Every single thing, just left and right and everything else. It's like, oh my. Everybody say amen. amen. That's right. You know why? Because we're brothers and sisters. 
Hallelujah. The devil fought all of us, but we won tonight. Hallelujah. We won by God's grace. The Lord bless you as you go tonight. Be friendly. Love the Lord. Appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ for being so good to us and giving us such a good, nice church family here today. We love you all. I don't know what I ever do in life without the people of God. You are my family. You are my brothers, my sisters. Shalom to you now as you go in Jesus' name. We'll see you Sunday morning.